What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who is my share pit crew, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. You know, I thought I signed up for one hour and it was tripled. You did have a long, you did have an extended on-air presence. That was that last day. Right. But I got to tell you, every day when I came home, because those share weeks are really long for me, I'd come home in the mm-hmm. evening and the house would be all taken care of and warm lights were on and a meal was waiting for me. And you just said, you know, there's your dinner. And you didn't, ha- didn't even necessarily talk to me too much because you knew I'd just spent the last you know few <laughs> hours on the air. It's such a blessing to have a partner like that. Well, for our listeners, I was invited to be on the four o'clock hour on the last day of Sherathon, and I was on for three hours from four to seven, and it was just a tremendous, I think it was historical for the radio show because of a generous donation that was given, uh, and we were dollar for dollar matching for a significant amount of money, and it was just incredible to see the energy and and the grace move throughout the radio show with everybody involved, and Dina Marie uh, hosting that for us. Just a tremendous success. It was a tremendous success, and we have been spending this week on The Morning Show just talking more about the share thanking all of our supporters, all of our great religious brothers and priests that all just kind of made a train of of guests coming in and it made the week go by very quickly even though there were a lot of hours and now that share over well we just jump right back into living life and once again you're back on the road so we are uh, recording this with you actually in another state but more importantly your business travel took you back to southern california you're recording this from my house, my actual childhood home. My mom and dad have lived in this home for more than 50 years. And there you are sitting in my family's dining room where many meals have taken place. And uh, you're recording with my mom and dad kind of looking on. I have long believed that my mother loves you maybe a little bit more than I do because she gets real excited when she knows that you're coming And uh, she's, I'm sure, planned some good meals for you. Well, I'll have you know that as soon as I entered the house, I was offered a piece of banana bread and a cup of coffee by your dad. And your mom did the banana bread, baked five loaves. I'm going to bring one home. So, yes, I've always fed well in the many years, 36, 37 years I've been coming to this house. This is a, a pilgrimage for me to come back home to your home. We have so many memories in that home. Of course, I was a baby, maybe one or two, when my parents bought that home. And then, you know, we lived there and my two brothers. And it was a hub, we'll say, of life. The number of friends that would come in and out, especially once we hit high school. And then there was that period of time where we were all married, but none of us had children yet. So we were a family of adults. And there was a lot of life and loud meals right where you're sitting. And it's just a beautiful memory. And I would say a legacy that my mom and dad have created that we loved 
so much that I think me and both my brothers and their wives we're all trying to recreate for ourselves. That's what family life is meant to be. And I would imagine that even for them growing up, they both had parents and brothers and sisters in the home and that there was life that happened, especially around good meals. Yeah, emulating family life. As Catholics, as Christians, we we do that certainly as this upcoming season will be upon us in no time with Advent in preparation for Christmas and to celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family. The Holy Family gives us the model, and I, I certainly can attest to my parents providing a foundation of that and your parents as well. So, yeah, we now get to see whether or not we did the good work with our kids. So, I, yeah, I'm excited about that. I think we did. I think we did, too. But it is a learning process. We've learned so much our whole lives. I, I believe we learn or hopefully we learned throughout our whole lives, we learned what it meant to be in a family. We learned what it meant to live within the boundaries of, of family life and then being good Catholics and good citizens and, and good students and then being good in our jobs. And we're trying to pass that on to our children. We learn. We learn by being in a family and we also learn by being parents, too. We learn about how we are meant to be as adults to bring our kids along in the faith, hopefully, also. Well, we got a great show ahead for you because, you know, one person who's learned a whole lot from the 10 kids that he adopted, it is the wonderful Dr. Ray Garendi. You listen to him every weekday right here at Mater Day Radio, and he has a new book out. The name of it is called Taught by 10. And we're going to spend some time finding out what he's learned by being a father of 10. And after that, we'll share with you some of the experiences that we can relate to that we learn in our family and then take out into community as followers of Christ. So stay with us. We've got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Pope Benedict XVI wrote an encyclical called Saved by Hope. In it, he points to Paul's letter to the Romans, In Hope We Are Saved. Benedict went on to share that hope is an especially important virtue for those who suffer deeply. As humans, we can endure greatly in the present when we have a goal in the future. It's not easy while suffering to see anything but suffering ahead of us. But as followers of Christ, we see goodness ahead, for we are moving towards eternal life and the union with God, being transformed daily. Quite frankly, a life without hope is a miserable life. Hope means placing our trust in the Holy Spirit, regardless of what our struggles may be. Hope means believing God delivers on His promises to us, regardless of how matters may appear. This has been Michael Gisandi with a bit of Catholic encouragement. Time and again, we hear from grateful listeners who tell us their faith lives have been nourished by Mater Day Radio. We hope these wonderful testaments to our spirit-filled broadcast never cease. You can help ensure the future of our broadcast by naming Mater Day Radio as a beneficiary in your will or other forms of estate planning. By leaving a legacy to Mater Day Radio, you are supporting a gospel message of prayer and hope heard by thousands of listeners every day. Learn more about our estate planning options at materdayradio.com. 
It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Day Radio. Well, it is the most important job you'll ever have, but there are no prerequisites you have to take. There's not an owner manual to tell you how to take care of it. And just when you think you got it figured out, well, God throws you a curveball. That's what parenthood is like. But if you trust in his divine plan and some sage advice from the experts, not only will you pass on your faith and rules to live by, well, your children, they're going to teach you a thing or two about yourself also. In his new book, Taught by Ten, Dr. Ray Garendi shares his wisdom with clarity and abundant humor because as any mother or father knows, parenting is just too important to be taken too seriously. And today on The Morning Blend, the doctor is in. Good morning, Dr. Ray. Thanks so much for talking to us today. Brenda, there is one thing you do have to have to be a good parent. Okay. I hope I have it. What is that? Kids. (laughs) That is true. You do have to have kids. Without that, it's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. If you have no children, really hard to be a good parent. Well, I suppose it's those that have no children that always seem to have the best advice to tell other people, well, how they should be doing it better. Dr. Ray, though, you are an expert because, well, you've got a big family. You know, you and your wife, Randy, you are raising or have raised 10. Was that the plan when you two started out fresh face at the altar? 10 kids. That was going to be our number. If somebody would have said to me, at that altar, you're going to have 10 kids, I would have said, you might be thinking about one of the groomsmen here. I don't know. Let me show you my license here. I think you got the wrong guy. Dr. Ray, before the good deacon and I had children, I I cannot remember what we ever laughed at. Our children crack us up especially when they were little they would do the funniest thing and then i never imagined how much work would go into that we we can say or we can know and understand that yeah there's that's a responsibility but until you get into it you really start to understand what it takes you decided that you're going to take it again and again and again What was the support that you realized that I have it within me, if I trust in God's grace, that will allow me to have big families? Because to be honest, Dr. Ray, there's not many families anymore, especially even within our Catholic churches. They're not having children. What made you keep going back to that well? Tax deductions. (laughs) I figured if I could pay no taxes, I'd be doing fine. Actually, long about child number six. My wife said, Ray, if not us, who? Mm. We have a solid marriage. We have the resources. We think we know what we're doing. Uh, So how can we say to the Lord, eh, okay. No, we we basically said, okay, let's, let's see what God gives us. On child number seven, my wife was coming into the church. She was praying at the Santa Clara Monastery, which is the monastery in Canton where Mother Angelica was the prioress. My wife said, Lord, if you want us to have another kid, you're going to have to drop it in our lap because I think we're done. The next day, we got a call from an attorney in Columbus who said, I have a little baby boy. 
He's in intensive care at university hospitals. I have no one to adopt him. Are you interested? And my wife had just said, Lord, you're going to have to drop it in our lap. So how are we going to say no now? Sure. Well, that's what happened. Little Petey came along. He's now 25 years old. He loves the faith. So I think what I've learned most is this. Many parents get frustrated. You, you called it work. It is work in the sense that you sacrifice much of your own life to take care of those kids and raise those kids. The difference is the frustration. Many parents are so very frustrated because they really don't have discipline control. That is so, so common now. Kids are going to misbehave like crazy. They're kids. But the fact that so many parents don't have solid discipline control. They can't say, please go to the corner, and the child goes without an eruption, without a fit, without 27 times coming out of the corner, and that drives a parent crazy. And we had that kind of discipline control. We knew we had to have it. We had 10 kids under 12. So we had that discipline control. Somebody asked my wife once, what would you do if you told your children to go stand in the corner and they didn't. And my wife said, I don't know. And the person said, what do you mean you don't know? And she said, it's never happened. Uh-huh. Now, Brenda, now, Brenda, how could that be? I mean, my children have had very, very bad histories. They've been drug abused, neglected. They were older, some of them, when we got them. They had histories that would make them very tough to raise. And I do have some like that. Why did we not have that authority issue? Because early, early on, the children learned very quickly, you got to mean what you say, and you're going to follow through. It's predictable, and they're not dumb. Once they realize that, they're, they're going to misbehave. Our kids misbehave a lot, but they're not going to defy you. That's the difference. That was probably the biggest thing that allowed us to have 10 kids. You'll learn some more of that great advice from Dr. Ray Garendi in his new book, Taught by Ten. It is out by EWTN, but you can also get it through Sophia Institute Press. Dr. Ray, the good deacon and I, we were married 33 years ago. And while I feel like I had a fantastic upbringing, as many kids do, well, I thought I could just do it better because I knew so much more. But it seems like now, especially in this day and age, with so many other influences, there's a lot of stuff that we're getting wrong. What is going wrong for parents today, and what are we doing a little bit better? I would say that most parents are underestimating how powerful the pop culture is at shaping who their children are. One of the saddest things I encounter, Brenda, is a parent sitting in my office with a 16, 17-year-old, a 20-year-old, and the parent says, I don't know who that is. We didn't raise him that way. Um, I believe you. I believe you also underestimated what did. They gave smartphones way too early. They were not vigilant enough on who this kid hung around with. They allowed so much of the culture into their home because they were afraid that their kid would be resentful, kid would be sneaky. They were afraid that 
they wouldn't be understood. They were afraid that they'd be out of sync with the culture. So what they do is they go along with the culture way too much. And then some of the kids get misshaped. And that's explaining why so many kids are leaving the faith when they get into their late teens and early 20s. Well, here's the thing, though, Dr. Ray, and and I feel like the good deacon and I, we have presented this united front. Now, our children, for the most part, have straight and narrow, but the world. And, And we talked about this earlier, technology, all of these influences, it feels like it's getting in the way of me being able to raise the kids the way I think is best. Now I feel like, well, the good deacon and I, we might be united in our thinking inside our house, but we're losing control outside a little bit, and that's seeping in. How do you make sure that your boundaries and your rules follow them when they step out of your home, too? If they're still in your home, but they're going out as they're getting older, you have to have a high level of supervision. There's no way around it. Some parents will say, I don't like who he's hanging around with. I say, well, why do you let him hang around with them? Well, that's his friend. Yeah, but why would you allow that if this friend is someone that's going to pull him in a bad direction? Well, I don't, I don't like where he goes after school. Well, wait, wait a minute. Why, why are you allowing that? Well, that's where his buddies all go, and he goes, and he says he doesn't do anything. So, in other words, we yield first thing. Supervision. You got to have better supervision. Now, you let the rope out very slowly. Our oldest son, as we raised him, we barely got a computer when he was 10 years old, so we didn't have to deal with that. Our youngest daughter, my gosh, smartphones were around, and all of her friends had one by age 10. She wasn't going to get one. Matter of fact, I think she was the only kid in her freshman class that didn't have one. And that's the way it was going to be. So in other words, that kind of supervision, you have to have great strength as a parent to stand against that. If you're trying to raise a God-seeking child, understand that you will be in some levels very much out of sync with the culture. You will very much be out of sync perhaps with your own parents who think you're too strict. You will be out of sync with many in your church. You have to have the strength to say, this is how I want to raise my child. I always said this, Brenda, I learned this. If my kids go astray, I want to be able to say, it's because they went through me, not because I stepped aside. I like that. We always want to stand in the way because, well, God placed them there for you to stand well, to bring them in that faith. I, I love that so much. That is more of what you're going to be able to learn in Dr. Ray's new book. It is out by Sophia Institute Press. Thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate you taking the time out. Brenda, I'm getting a little sick of having to write books just to get to visit with you. Oh, hey, anytime, Dr. Ray. We'd love to have you back in the area. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you. And again, that is Dr. Ray Garendi. So the name of his new book is Taught by 10. It is out through Sophia Institute Press. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get Sophia, purchase a book for yourself. I'm also going to add a link to Dr. Ray's webpage. You're going to find all kinds of great resources, more sage, maybe a little humorous wisdom. You're going to find all of that on the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. Love and tradition of the grand design. 
some people say it's even harder to find well then there must be some magic clue inside these gentle walls cause all I see is a tower of dreams real love bursting out of every scene Scott we have said this before and it's still true I don't know what we ever laughed at before we had children. I mean, we we were married for nine years before our oldest daughter was born, and that was through various circumstances and losses, but that's how long it took us in order to start our family. And boy, once we had her, it just seemed like they the things that she did were so funny and then when we started adding kids to the mix it got even funnier but I also learned that even through all of that I didn't understand until we had kids the sacrifices that parents do or give because they have children sacrifices of money and sleep and sacrifice of your own meals because other kids wanted to eat what you had you learn so much and you become so much greater if you do it well. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, it's, it's in the uh, formation process of the kids that the parents are formed further. I mean, we, I think what we found what I, in reflection, just to that point you brought up about um, having humor, it balances the suffering of what we might have to contend with as, as new parents because we're learning everything for the first time and we're panicked and stressed about so many things that we don't know. And then we have to live into that. And I think it really teaches us the understanding that our parents had given us. What does faith take? It takes entering into the unknown and trusting that it will work out, but together. And it's, it's constantly coming back together. And I think for the, for the marriage, that is the, the, as I've often stated to folks, that's the, that's the primordial sacrament. It's the it's the thing, the sacrament that binds us together as society is in that root with marriage. And from that family is the fruit and the blessing, not only for the immediate family, but for the community in which that family is raised in. And our, our children, we're starting to see that having effect. Like that's the, the definition of a sacrament is efficacious. So our kids are affecting the community in which they're living that we've raised them in, but it comes from a history of our own family, our own experiences. Scott, we have grown in our faith because of our children. So we've grown in our faith because of losses that we've experienced, and even greater, it opened us to the ability to be open to life in a unique way. I think that having four kids is maybe average for some Catholic families, but to others, they think, wow, you have a big family and we grow in holiness together. And that holiness though, it does seem to set us up for a greater focus of attack. Why does that happen? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, you know, if there's going to be a place to attack a fort, it's at the weakest gate, right? And that's kind of historically kind of the motif of, of how the enemy attacks. Well, the weakest gate in our faith is really rooted in the marriage. Because if the marriage can be divided, the children will be affected and it will cascade down into the future of the society. 
So the church is always trying to reorient our understanding of how how much we need to hold sacred marriage. And in this society, even, and that's not to say Catholics are better in the, in the percentages on this. We aren't. But we have a responsibility to remember that value. And so the devil drives right in between husbands and wives to create division, to multiply it. And so, you know, the the faith, you listen to Dr. Gary Grundy talk about his his family and how it's grown. I mean, 10 kids and all that they do. And how many times has he suffered attack and his wife suffered attack in, in the time frame that they've been together? Probably countless times, as, as most couples could attest to in reflection. But it's when we're able together to be able to resolve and overcome that we actually become that much more stronger. That's the transformative process of the sacrament. It's also as we have become parents of young adults, it's been a difficult transition too to let go, to realize that we are their parents, will always be their parents, but we're not the same guides. We are not in charge and in control of how and what they do as they were when they were living in our house. Throughout the share we talked about at the opening of our show, we just had that a constant prayer that was being brought forward from our supporters is prayers for their children to return to their faith. Mm. And it's heartbreaking for parents. And while our own children are still practicing, I can understand. I can understand how that could feel for somebody. And they have to make those decisions on their own. And there's not a lot you can do, but remain faithful. Remain faithful and know that God's got this battle. You know, the gospel passage from this past weekend from Luke was exactly that point, that we are to pray and to pray and to pray. And and it's Christ focuses us on the prayer that if we ask for the return of our children, the protection of our children, God hears us. And how much more does he hear us then in that gospel passage where it talks about the judge who who didn't care about God and didn't care about people, but he found in favor of the woman's mm-hmm. ask for justice for her son. Well, how much more does God provide justice? That, you know, immeasurably more. So when we have that loss and what we shared at the share is who do we look to? We look to the saints and St. Monica is just the, the shining star of that commitment and, and faith that no matter what I'm seeing on the outside, I'm trusting that the Lord, through my prayers, is transforming my son on the inside. And sure enough, St. Augustine comes in to be the doctor of the church as a consequence. Absolutely. Never stop with your prayers. Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer? Lord, we are so grateful for families, for families whom we've come from and families whom we are living into. Help us to trust that the family the family that you were born into, the model of our ask to be as family, be emulated more and more during these days to come. May we be rooted in hope and trust in your promise that you are with us always and help us to do this week's good work to pray, pray, pray. In your name, Jesus, we ask this. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, 
and our view from the pew. God bless and have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.